Welcome to the Mystical Motherhood Podcast. My guest today is Rai Charan. She is an astrologer and she is a lawyer, and she's combining the two together to help people make really, really good decisions in their life. So when you're creating a business, you're having a baby, you're buying a house, you're doing any big moves, it's really, really smart to engage in an astrologer to make sure you're doing it at the right times in your life so you can execute plans correctly. Let me give you an example. So I went to Prague to study alchemy and the ancient alchemists, and there's a bridge there that's never fallen down. Despite wars and everything, all the other bridges fell down. So the king at the time said, make me a bridge that'll never fall. So they astrologically created this bridge and they put the last brick in to the minute to the second of a certain planetary alignment, which I don't know. That bridge never fell down. It's one of the most famous art pieces in the world. And it just shows that the, the planetary alignments create your life, the, you know, what happens in your life and uh, the events around your life on a micro level, on a macro level. So being aware of it isn't just um, for fun. It's like a necessary thing now. And so I want everyone who's listening to become aware of astrology, your chart, how to utilize it. And then we're, I'm going to ask her a ton of questions. So I'm going to introduce her now. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Glad to be here. Good. So I want to hear about what you do and why you chose to do this. Like what in your, what, cause we're all drawn by it, like a, an amazing passion for life. Like I don't, I just love helping women bring children down. It gives me such a giddy feeling. Why does this make you happy? Yeah, well, astrology to me is a way that we connect with our role within the cosmos and become co-creators with the universe, as one of my teachers, Tashi Powers, always says. And for me, my mission is to bridge the spiritual and material worlds. And I come from the corporate world being a lawyer and law, the rule of law, obviously all based on rules. And astrology is also very rules-based, is what we call natural law. Mm-hmm. So to me, they are very similar, even though they seem so disparate. And astrology is fun for lawyers because it is so complicated. And it's like figuring out a puzzle all the time, and you're always learning. Um, so that's why I love astrology and, and bridging it with my legal practice. So if somebody... Let's start with like a couple questions around this. So somebody was having a baby or creating a company or making a massive life decision. How do you look at their chart to understand when to make a decision and like what do you look at? How does the process move along? So if somebody was going to see you or see a different astrologer, they would understand the benefits of using astrology to create their life. Yeah, so there's certain simple principles, like you could even take it down to a really micro level of you're planting a garden, and there's certain planetary influences that have to do with growth and fertility, and there's other planetary influences that have to do with cutting. So say you're, you're weeding and you want to cut things out, that would be more of a, a full moon or having more Saturn and Mars kind of influences of, of cutting things out versus planting something new and you're looking at Venus influences and new moon influences. Taking it into a company, if you have two founders or even one founder, you would look at the individual's chart, but you would also look at what we call general elections. So there's times when just collectively 
you're forming something new and that would be the best time to do it. But you would always want to compare that kind of with the individual chart. Um, and in doing so, you can set things up in a certain way to be more long lasting if that's what you want. Or say you're starting a litigation or something, you want it to end quickly, you would set it up so that it doesn't become long lasting. So in the ancient times, I believe and know and feel in my heart that they would draw down children, not even draw down children, but my understanding is, uh, uh, is you know, in Greece and around uh, ancient Egypt and these different temples, the women would, would go into the temples to bring these children down from these other planets. And each temple, <laughs> I mean, normally we're going to keep doing this. That's what mystical motherhood is about. But each of these temples would tap into a specific planet to bring down beings from each of these places. And they would use sound and color and uh, symbols. And for example, like Pallades, I've, I've read was the symbol of the dove. And then the this is where we've gotten symbols of the bee and the dove and the, the, the rose and these different kind of ancient feminine symbols. And I know they used astrology to bring these children down. I know that it was actually timed and there was different different cultures like the Essenes which I don't I don't I don't know this this is just like through meditation and through basic reading but the Essenes would do it specifically so the men and the women would come together to have a baby on certain dates where um, in ancient Greece they would use hieroscamos to to conceive a child and the hieroscamos is different in the way that they would make love with the light bringing these children down and then the versus astrology and I want to like have you tap into she, this woman is really really intuitive that I'm sitting with right now, and so what do you think they would do in the ancient times to bring these children down using astrology, and how would you tell people if they're about to have a baby to plan this? Well, there's a couple of things. If you're talking about the ancient times, there's not only the moment of conception, but there's also the time of birth. And so oftentimes they would plan ahead the nine months of what is the season that they want the child to be born in. That's the most optimal. And then, of course, you have this thing around in inducement of labor to when you get down to the closer time when the baby's actually coming um, and in terms of the conception, then there's also times that are more fertile um, in the cosmos, um, as well as for the individual. And then, but when you're looking at when you want the baby to be born, if you're coming from like a royal lineage or something like this, where you want them to have more king-like influences um, and, and ruling influences or less what we would call malefic influences, um, then they would plan the nine months ahead for the time of conception. Okay, that's cool. And then what about for the listeners that, I mean, there's a lot of women that have children, a lot of women that want children. So what do we, and like, I have a little Virgo and I have a little Pisces. And my little Virgo is a lot different than my little Pisces. And I, how do we as mothers manage these mini me's, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like how do we deal with, uh, like we only look at, like we were basically looking at our astrology, but yeah. it, in reality, I'm realizing as a mom that my children are co-creators too. And totally. sometimes there, I feel like 
I didn't create that day. They did. Yeah. Or like, I didn't, I didn't draw that person in. Like they wanted to experience that. And as they grow older and they, they, they can begin to manifest or create their reality. So not only am I creating, then I have, I have two very psychic children that are like in this like creation and I'm, it's blowing me away. Yeah. So what do I do and how do we tell women how to understand their children's charts and how it looks as a family? So this is an area that I think is super helpful because oftentimes, you know, our kids are their own people from the time that they're born, like you said, and we might not totally understand why they respond the way that they do to different things, why they act the way that they do. It's because they already have this basic contract with the universe that they've come in with these set of skills and or assets and liabilities, as we could call them. Um, And... And if you start to understand them, then you don't judge it as much. Um, And it's so interesting how it happens so early. So I've read a couple of my friends' charts for their babies, their infants less than one year old. And my friend was saying, you know, when I take the thing away from her, she's like six months or something. She's like, she gets so angry. I mean, she gets just rage. And I was like, let me look at her chart. I bet she has a fire sign on the eighth house. The eighth house is how we deal with loss. And like, lo and behold, yeah, she's got Aries on the eighth house. And that's just, I have Aries on the eighth house too. So we deal with loss through rage. If say you have Taurus on the eighth house, you become very stoic and pull mm. back. Um, so these are just like basic principles that are helpful to understand, but it, it they they are already ingrained, you know, pre one years old. Um, yeah. So as parents, you can't really like we want to like mold the children to be. I mean, I don't want you to do this, but we tend to do this, and I want you to stop doing this. But you cannot change the child; you can only change yourself. And then as you gain more love or as you stop getting angry or as you let go of all your generational patterns, they are freed of all these cobwebs and, and they just are then able to go onto their destiny more, but also understanding that they are a certain way and you can't necessarily change that. Like I have a little one that she, she commutes, she, and also numerology comes into this. Mm-hmm. So she was born on nine eleven. Powerful numbers, and these are, you know, one is the number of sound. And so, since she was born, she's been crying. <laughs> but like, but that's her sound. It's yeah. her. It's the way she she may have been singing. And I don't know. I believe she was a Hathor, and so um, I know she was a Hathor actually. And so she uses her voice a lot, but she didn't know how to properly use it in this life yet. Yeah. And so. How do we not get frustrated? So we just go to an astrologer and then the astrologer can look at family charts and then we don't get so mad? Yeah, I, well, I, I, think, <laughs> I think that once we understand it, then we we become less frustrated with it, right? I think, I think that's true for a lot of things. Um, and even in the astrology chart, you can look at things like the past life story as well as the, the present life. And so, you know, if we're coming in with certain things from past lives, that's something too that you can help her navigate and not get so attached to. But but we all have soul contracts here to work through different things. And so just because she's having a difficult time with something doesn't make it wrong. It could be that she needs to go through a difficult time through right. her voice because she has to learn something here. This is a school. We're all learning. Right. And I actually think about that with my kids. Like if I make a decision to move a certain place, 
or if I divorce my husband, that's because they knew that was going to happen. And, and it's interesting because I remember when I got my charts read with my ex-husband years ago when the babies were born and the woman said to me, oh, you came together to have children. And I, it's the only thing I remember from the reading. And I, I still have all the paperwork, but I was like, why did she say that? And then I realized that there was a divorce in my chart with him. And another yeah. person said later, have you gotten divorced yet? And this was a second reading, a, a reading from a different astrologer. She goes, have you gotten divorced yet? This is going to be the hardest time of your life. You know that? And I said, how did you know that? She goes, right there. And she goes, if it hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen. You have Pluto moving through your whole life, I think it was. And, I, <laughs> and I, it's amazing. Yeah. And so how can we, like on a micro level and on a macro level, if there's these disasters that are going to happen... How do we navigate this and how do we change the narrative around, you know, I have no control, I, I can't handle this. Like, how do we know what's going to happen and not freak out? Yeah. Well, I believe that we are only given things that we can handle. So, and that, that, so that's a basic fundamental. And then in the family dynamic, oftentimes we are, we are coming back into contact with the same souls that we've come through many lifetimes with. And it's because of these certain contracts that we have to play out. And that could be, you and I have talked about benefactors where there's one party that's coming back in to, to take care of the other party. Maybe they didn't get the opportunity to do that in a past life or it was the other way in the lifetime before. And they're learning something new. And then on a, on a more macro scale, if we start to understand the broader cycle, so oftentimes we get stuck in our individual natal charts. There's been such a focus on astrology in the last you know three years. It's really exploded, but the focus has been pretty much on the natal chart, which is a very individual-based way to look at astrology. Astrology originally was around world events. It was for planning for floods and pandemics and things of, of this nature. When are we going to get invaded? That kind of thing. Um, and so part of also my my job, I feel, with bridging the law and the astrology is to bring back what we call mundane astrology, which is focusing on the more geopolitical cycles, which these are very, very long-term cycles, can be 16,000 years, or even now we're looking at, and I'm kind of going off into an, no, another area here, but um, this 800-year cycle. So we're coming up to a Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in the sign of Aquarius. And we all kind of are familiar with the idea we're in the Aquarian age, we're birthing the Aquarian age. But if we, th there's cycles of conjunctions that happen and they have been happening in Earth signs for the last 800 years. And on winter solstice, December 21st, we're going to move into an 800-year cycle of Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions in these air signs. And so we're moving from a period of resources and power structures being rooted in the land, in the earth. So things like oil, things like real estate, this type of wealth and power that is passed down in a lineage from generation to generation versus moving into Aquarius and air signs where it's about information, it's about ingenuity. And the last time this happened was the academic renaissance that predated the artistic renaissance, which would be in water signs because water is a creative 
force. Mm -hmm. So I think when we start to look beyond just our individual, you know, poor me experience on this earth into, oh, we're part of a way broader cycle of events and the universe is intelligent and it has a, a very clear kind of plan then we don't get bogged down in the details because we understand that we're part of a broader way. So just to repeat that back, first off, is this already starting? Is there a date that we're going to hit hit like a boom, you know, like that kind of explosion, which I feel like, I feel like this COVID thing was the prep for the thing. It's like, okay, you guys get a few months just to relax. And everybody's thinking that that's the thing. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is the rest before the big bang. And what I heard from that is that we're moving into a renaissance. And so what for that means that that creative force is going to come through us. And and if you can catch it, like I love to talk about the Holy Grail. So Mm -hmm. if you know, it's, we're not creating, if you're not creating a child and mystical motherhood's about creation, the creation of something and the women creating through their own power. If you're not going to create a child, you're going to create something different. Yes. Or sometimes if you're not creating something different, you'll create an unwanted child. Like, and tell me what that, like a, like an entity, kind of a destructive force around you. No, it's just say that because we all, like you said, have this creative force within us. And so if you're not doing anything with it, yes, you can become destructive, but you could also actually create a physical child because you're not doing anything with the energy and it wants to move through you. So then now you have a child with someone that you weren't necessarily planning to to have have and now you're, you're in karma and not Dharma. Yeah, I get that. Wow. And you know, the fifth house rules children, but also rules creative projects. It's the same, same house, same energy, Mm -hmm. creative energy. And I've had that recently where I, well, it might be my age. 35 is like, I feel like I'm going to have a baby. I feel like I'm not supposed to have a baby. I'm supposed to have a baby. I don't think I am. I think there's this book that's being birthed through me, my third book. And every time I feel like I'm about, like I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant with something, mm-hmm. I feel the pregnancy and it's, it's the birth of a book. And so I think a lot of women get confused of this need to have a child mm-hmm. is actually that creative energy within them. That's like, are you going to birth this project? Are you going to birth this movement? Are you part of this revolution yeah. to change this planet because we're going to be the ones that that do it because we are able to function at a different level or on a new level or see things on a on a on a, a see things differently yeah through the eyes of the heart really and but one thing you said that was really interesting is you said the renaissance which is monet not monet that's later like the the um intellectual kind of renaissance that happened to the scientific okay. renaissance yeah so that was in the sign of water, and you're saying now this is an air sign? Can oh, so the, that? so the scientific renaissance was in air, and then the creative artistic renaissance was in water. And so these different elements have different properties, and the, the air element, so, you know, Gemini, Aquari- Aquarius, it's of the mind. Um, and information technology, right? We're having the internet's having its Saturn return in Aquarius. Saturn's Saturn's been in Aquarius. And what you said before is true about things being kind of a preview. So we started this year off with the Pluto Saturn conjunction in Capricorn that everyone kind of talked about. 
Um, and the U.S. is coming up on its Pluto return in the sign of Capricorn. So this is a deep inner soul work where we're digging down like shaman into the soul of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And there, that's in the sign, this earth sign. But the world is moving into the age of Aquarius. And Saturn moved away from Pluto. It's gone into Aquarius. So it's giving us a little preview of that and then retrograding back into Capricorn. And I think people are going to feel that as going back to normal, quote unquote, back into this earth age that we've coming coming from, the patriarchy, which is the Capricorn sign. Yeah. But when this conjunction happens at the end of the year on winter solstice in Aquarius, that's shooting us into these next 800 years of um, these conjunctions happening in air signs. Hmm. Okay, so then we're moving into the air sign. And so the mind, yes, connection. So tell, so for me, like, I can only speak for my own experience. Like, I'm writing a book. It's very, you know, it's intellectual, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's the thinking and and it's the expression through that. So what other things would come out of air? Because, I mean, I talk about... Elements are a huge part of the mystical motherhood experience. It's understanding how the elements either can be controlled by you it's, or you can control them and mm-hmm. it's the manifestation of them in your life and it's the alchemical process of awakening. So as my personal experience of the air element is it moved me around the world and it moves you quickly mm-hmm. and it moves fast. And if it's not in balance, it creates a, a, an incredible, incredible amount of anxiety. Yes. And it makes your mind go crazy. Yes. Like if you don't have your air element in balance, you're basically thinking a thousand thoughts per minute that don't make any sense and that are super neurotic and not linked to anything creative. Yeah. Or when you're very creative in balance, it's like the wind can come through and you can push yes. through boundaries, through walls, through forests in a second and move quicker than like almost as quick as light. Yeah. So tell me and us how we can utilize that energy. Well, because that's a downloading of thoughts, right? So if you're downloading from source and you're downloading from a, a positive place and a clear place, your channel is clear, then yeah, it's going to come through like these incredible works of art, like your book or something that's downloaded super fast and just wants to be birthed, like, as you said. But if we're downloading thoughts from the collective that are negative, that are, I can't do anything, this isn't going to turn out right, what am I doing here, then it becomes very neurotic. And that's kind of the the tragedy of the information age, right? There's a positive of the information age, which is unifying, and, and that's the Aquarian age, right? It's interdependence. So we're all individual beings, but we're all interconnected, and we understand that we're weaving this thing together. But if we're weaving something that is based on neurosis and on... Um, a negative thought stream, then that's just going to get amplified in the mind. So for the listeners, I mean, I remember years ago, I didn't even know what the word neurotic was because I was so neurotic and I didn't want to see that. So if you could define what neurotic is for all of our listeners, please. I think neurotic is, it's, it's almost like being stuck in your own hamster wheel in the mind. Mm -hmm. Um, the mind you, I think of it like a computer. It's like, 
if you're putting, or, or even a formula, so you put facts in and it, and it will spit the thing out that you want in the right way, mm-hmm. but if you're putting all the wrong stuff in, then you're just going to get crap out. You can't... Like you, the pattern, the programming pattern is wrong. Yeah. Right? And you keep repeating. So one thing I've seen is that if you don't do the meditations to clear it, mm-hmm. is that you, you never change your life. Yeah. You literally, you know, and I, I talk about this all the time. There's the there's alchemy on the planet that can change you very quickly. But if you're and the alchemists will move quickly through things. And mm-hmm. so I also believe it's because they're clearing out the neurotic patterns that if you're stuck and you're never moving in life and you're super stagnant, which is also wind. Can yes. be stat wind can be very stagnant and it can be stuck in the same thoughts all the time. And, and that's around maybe a handful of things that you're just recreating your whole life. Yeah. And if you don't clear those out with meditation or whatever you do, however, shamanism, yeah. whatever, you're just going to stay there. But then as the, as you do clear it, the wind will come in and then you, ch- your, your life will change much quicker and new environments, new people, new things may come through because you're moving at warp speed, like the speed of wind. Yes. Right? Yeah. And especially now with everything moving so virtually, I mean, this is a way a whole destiny could be wasted in a hologram. Basically you're living in a hologram hologram instead of actually having an experience of being a human on this earth and going back to the chart we say you know the chart will play out regardless so you can use it as a way to navigate your life or it'll play out one way or another so my first teacher uh, Ricky Williams tells a really beautiful story about when he was playing football he was you know famous football player and he was had taken a break from from playing and came back and he had a Mars transit happening. So Mars is about courage and self-assertion. And he felt he shouldn't play that day because it was raining and he hadn't trained properly. He, he just, he knew in his bones, it wasn't a day for him to play, but he was so terrified to tell his coach, I can't play today. Um, very first play of the game ripped his pectoral muscle basically completely off and that's you know heart courage and so the chart played out but had he taken that initiative to have the conversation he wouldn't have had to gone through such a painful experience Mm, interesting and was he in astrology yet or just had the intuition of it he just had the intuition of it I think he knew some astrology but yeah and for me, just so I, I have a lot of people always ask me, like, how do I increase my intuition and how do I, how do I know? And, and, you know, we were just having a conversation about this earlier and back to alchemy, because this is my third book is going to be the process of the alchemical transformation for people opening of the heart because alchemists and, and anyone on this planet that's going to be successful and move into their destiny and do something with the air element that'll um, increase consciousness is going to have to learn how to to balance both logic and heart. Because sometimes when you begin begin to awaken, the synchronicities and the things that come through aren't logical. And and they're not like wouldn't be what the normal human would do. You'd be like, well, actually, I'm going to do this instead because my heart is telling me to, to, to listen and to not do that. And so the what we're talking about stagnancy before is the old pattern would be to be like, I'm going to just do status quo. You know, and so even with, 
everything that's happening on the planet, the pe- people are going to begin to listen to their heart and not listen to this out, outward voice that's telling us what to do. It's an inward voice. And it's an inward calling of like what feels right, what feels wrong. And that's the only way to get out of this level of like mind control, which I'd also like to talk about yeah. because also with this air element, we can see that the mind control is happening on a governmental level on a massive global scale. So it's like our minds against the global mind Mm -hmm. um, of what's true and what's not true. And I kind of look at um, the social media. It's interesting because I hope I'm not going off subject, but I'd love to hear your opinion on this. So when my pineal gland opened, which a pineal gland is sort of uh, what shows you reality. It's your third eye. It's what they talk about, that third eye in the middle of your brain. And it's sort of like a camera. And it, and it just isn't, everybody has it and everybody's should be open. It's just some are not yet. Well, and we're fed things that I think intentionally to close, close it, it and calcify it. Right. Cause it, you awaken to a, a different reality and you know that there's a lot and more. And you're sovereign. Yeah. And you're, and you're independent and powerful and you know, the intuition can kick in. But I kind of think it's interesting that the pineal gland throat, it shows you pictures in a row. It shows you very fast photos, and it's like you can move through an astral dimension really quickly or Mm -hmm. slowly, whatever your choice is. But so does Facebook, and so does um, Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so as as these uh, photos are moving through quickly, it's almost like it's taking the pineal gland outside of you. Mm-hmm. And you miss the pineal gland inside because you're looking at the photos that are a hologram of what someone else wants you to see. But that's what the pineal gland is. And that's the level of intuition that people, I want the listeners to understand is inside. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's so many pieces in what you just said. One is is the addiction, right? We have to, st- an addiction I think is a, it's many things, but it's an arrhythmia within yourself and between you and the universe. So when you can break that kind of arrhythmia and get back into a natural rhythm, which always comes from going more internal, whatever your version of that is, even if that's getting into to nature. And there's some kind of practical tools for resetting yourself um, back into your own um, experience based on your chart that I can give, which is if you know your rising sign, um, if it's, again, going back to the elements, say it's a, say your rising sign is an earth element, so touch the land, go for a walk, go for a hike. That's going to re... Because the rising sign, that's the part of your chart that has to work for anything else to be able to work. It's almost like the captain of the ship. Um, if you have a fire sign rising, then you want to go exercise, work out, box, do something active. Um, if you have an air sign rising, maybe meditation, or if you don't meditate, um, even listening to a podcast or something that's like very intellectually stimulating, not something that's, you know, part of the, the already neurotic pattern that you're in. Um, and if it's water, you know, maybe you want to sit in the bath or go in the ocean or have like a nice cry or something like that. Um, and then the other thing that I will say in terms of getting in touch with kind of your gut instincts or your internal world is it, you know, like anything, it takes practice. So you can practice this with a friend, you know, 
even small things. Do I want strawberries or peaches? Like go. Just yeah. <laughs> make make those you know choices on the fly and how and just go one by one. Just quick question, 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 question. Right. What does your gut say? Um, instead of, you know, cause we hesitate, we're like, wait, do I really want that? But I mean, I just had a, a peach yesterday, so maybe I actually want strawberries. Like, no, don't go there. Right. Just first, first response, best response usually. And it's always the intuition again is, is, I mean, every client I've had, I now go to, I like whenever they meet me on the phone, I say, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And then I've seen over the years how intuitive and how knowing they become and how much they've awakened to the symbols and the signs we receive from the universe as, um, as like, what's the word? Like a, a confirm, a confirmation. Yeah, synchronicity is the language of destiny. Oh my gosh. Say that again. Synchronicity is the language of destiny. That's amazing. And I mean, for me, that's my whole life. Yeah. Actually, that should be a t-shirt. You want to make it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's make it. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to start a new brand because we're in the intellectual age and you might as well be creating, yeah. right? <laughs> and that's words. That's, that's air. <laughs> and so there's like, we, we were laughing because we were playing with some tarot cards. And so for me, when I can't... Because it's hard for me to read for myself because I want things to be a certain way. And like I'm like, no, 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 this is gonna work because of because of this and this and this. And and when well, sometimes we don't want the answer, right? Yeah. My good friend Linnea, she's like, sometimes don't we sometimes don't ask the question of the universe because we don't have the answer. Cause the answer might be you have to break up with your boyfriend and move across the state and you're gonna make way less money. Oh my god. And it's like Oh, well, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> right. But the way of the heart, the following of the heart, when an alchemist follows the heart, you it the, you have to go through that hero's journey. You have to, you know, and I, I've been writing this book, The Original Wound, and I start the book out with the hero's journey. And the hero's journey is like Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. And it's very much like the stairs we did in India. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, it all was flowing through as I'm writing it, but I was thinking Alice fell down a well. Well, first she was asleep. And so then she woke up from her sleep and she falls down this well and she enters into this world that she thinks is real, but it's not real, but it is real. Right. And I was thinking, cause we did these stairs in India where we went to liberate our families. And my whole life after that became a synchro. I mean, not like it wasn't already, but I mean, the amplification of the synchronicities after that, after I went down that well, yeah, I was living in Alice in Wonderland and absolutely no one would understand the decision tree that I was following, yeah. which was not the normal route. Yeah. And, and I had to go through the hero's journey is like, you have to go through, you find a T you, you question your journey. You, you know, you get on the path and then you begin to question it, but then a teacher will come along. And for me, Celestine came, she came to me in Ireland and says, now you're going to start your initiation practice because the teacher, some teacher will come in and say, now you're going to move through life and, and, and God's going to move you along. And then you go through the battle and then you have to get Excalibur sword. Yeah. And then you have to, and then you have to go back into normal life, back into the earth element. Yeah. So you're moving through all these elements. I don't know why I'm going into this, but it's like <laughs> so cool. Yeah. And the hero's journey is so scary to start, but it's the, the intuitive. Yes. Sense. Go. Well, I just wanted to say on, on that point, bringing it back to Aquarian age, 
we'll all get a teacher, but you have to understand once you have bits of these information or even a healing in you, like you carry that with you, you are a teacher for everyone else. And if you don't answer the call, then a destiny is ruined. Yeah. You have a responsibility once you have some level of teaching. And so the Aquarian age is like, uh, you know, as Yogi Bhajan said, like, you know more than you, you teach you. Right. So it doesn't have to be this magnificent guru that comes in. You have, you, we realize that we're all teaching each other and we, the, the impact that we have on the micro scale, we can't even fathom the impact it has on the macro. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing the work to heal yourself, we really don't know what that's doing for everyone around yeah. you, even in your vicinity as your heart opens. Yeah. And it, and that's exactly what it is. It's a call to action. And it was, it's been so interesting because on this call to action in this hero's journey, which I believe we'll all go through in the Aquarian age, it's not, I'm not speaking about this because you know, like what, we're better. Yeah. Or we're, we, any, yeah. Anybody's on the call to action. It's like, you're going to, it's going to happen to you. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen to you this lifetime, it's going to happen to you the next You're lifetime. You're preparing for it now. Yeah. And you yeah. wouldn't be listening to this had you, you know, but at the end, it's really interesting on the journey is because you think it, the, for me, it's been my, a lot of it has been like, I need to get this for me. Yeah. I need to get this, you Going know, back to the tarot cards. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I want to, I am for me. It's like, I want It's, it's like. Somebody who wants to be famous, they are going to create music to be famous, right? Right. Or they want to create, um, for me, I've been wanting this relationship, a sacred relationship, and I've been doing all this work for the sacred relationship. It has nothing to do with the sacred yeah. relationship. The journey is the cleaning out of the subconscious so that I can serve the one. Yeah, the, become an instrument and a channel. Right. And then great if I get that, but what am I going to leave this earth with is this productions of the creations I make. And it's and so on this hero's journey, I think we'll all find in the Aquarian age, it's not for the self. It's yeah. it's the honoring of what you're creating for humanity. Yeah. And and that's the piece that the spirituality I think right now is missing and, and is a sad thing from kind of the, the fall of the traditional religion in the fall of the Piscean age moving into Aquarian age. We have to remember to bring it back to just what you said, which is the mission and the destiny is a, is not about us. And so, you know, the churches used to do the work of, of Seva, right, and feeding the communities and, and this kind of thing. And sometimes we get so focused on, well, I'm on my journey and I'm on my path and I'm, you know, figuring out my destiny and I'm going to do this. And it's like the more that you surrender to, I don't, really know anything and I'm just going to clean myself and clear myself as much as I possibly can so that something can move through me that's bigger and going to benefit humanity and that's also where the I think astrology comes in too it's like understanding oh these aren't things that are wrong with me like there's that's that's just the polarity of the ego the negative polarity of the ego it's like I have all these these you know, badges of wounds and things that are a problem. And it's like, who are you to decide that that's a problem? Right. And these problems are like blessings because you can utilize them as complete fire mm-hmm. energy to channel. Anger is good when yeah. used correctly. You know, anxiety is good if flipped. It's not, but it's just the bad. negative polarity. It's, it's excitement. Anxiety is just a, a, excitement with a label. 
<laughs> negative. <laughs> right. Instead of positive. Yeah, because we all have these different emotions. It's just not getting hooked into it. And even what's happening on the news and back to what's happening in social media is like, it's not, it's, it's getting out of the hook of it of not getting like, Oh, this is defining me. This is who I am. This rage, these wounds are my entire reality. Yeah. And I I remember a story by Krishna Das, which I didn't understand. You know, sometimes we hear these stories and we don't know why they affect us, but it was a movie, Krishna Das and Ram Das were were working under their teacher Baba. Was his name Baba? He was from India. Sounds right, but I'm not I don't. Sure. I don't know their teacher, yeah. but he, his teacher died, and he only wanted to be famous. Like his whole thing was he was going to be a musician. He was going to be famous, and then he went to his teacher's temple and like literally sat at the door. And he said this in the movie. I might not be accurately saying it, but he sat at the door or in the temple of the teacher for days and days. And then he had an understanding. It's the love from the the music he creates as a dedication to his teacher. Mm -hmm. And so he began to not try to become famous, which wasn't getting him anywhere, which we will talk about Hemingway in a second. Yeah. Let's talk about Hemingway afterwards. But it was the love he produced from... The love he produced through the music dedicated to to his teacher. So every single concert of the Bhakti flow became as if he was talking to his teacher. Mm -hmm. And so everything was just the dedication to the teacher. It's a communication too. That's the co-creation that takes it back to the Aquarian too, right? It's the communication between us in this physical form, this skin bag and, and the you know, primordial it's universal flow. Yeah. And it's the, it's, it's, this is so cool. Cause as I'm thinking it, it's like flowing through me, but my teacher has always said, as I'm looking for this male, which I talk about in every podcast, cause it's my journey mm-hmm. right now. And then the next thing I'll talk about is something new. <laughs> yep. But, <laughs> but I, she goes, it's not about this outside male. It's the beloved male. She goes, have you married your inner beloved? Mm-hmm. Have you married your inner beloved? And the alchemist and husband yourself, have you husband yourself? Have you found the beloved? And it's like Rumi speaking to friend Rumi's poetry was The reason his poetry lasted through time and space and the reason his creation was a renaissance and a revolution is because he was talking to the beloved and Krishna Das sings to the beloved and my, my next book is for the beloved and the one I've been looking for is never in the mail. Yeah. The one I've been looking for this whole journey of my whole life is the beloved, which is a manifestation of myself and everyone on this planet as you go into the heart and, and resurrecting the Christ consciousness, which is what we're moving into, this yeah. fifth dimensional field, will have to find that beloved through the creation, through this renaissance. Yes. Tell me about Hemingway. Well, we were having a conversation with a friend uh, the other day, and he was, I forget what the word that he used, it might come to me, but he was basically saying that there's this theory that you have to just keep putting stuff out and putting stuff out even if it's not the best thing because you you know you put out all this stuff and 99% of it is garbage but 1% is going to be like a gold mine and that was and Hemingway was the example that was that was given um, you know he put out a plethora of books and literature but only 1% was magnificent and i go 
didn't Hemingway kill himself? Right. <laughs> like, that doesn't seem the most productive use. And, and if we're in our flow and co-creating with the universe and, and becoming channels and letting something come through, it shouldn't feel like you're banging your head against the wall. There should resistance. You shouldn't have to push through the resistance in that way and become miserable. It should feel ecstatic. It should feel ecstatic with the creation, but on a for me on a personal level, I don't know if you felt this with your own creations, is like you can't create from the from the energy of the wound. Mm-hmm. You can't create like it's the same as with I teach in my books, Mystical Motherhood, is like what how whatever, if you're gonna create there's even a whole chapter on this. If 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 Alicia Keys is creating a beautiful song, that's her baby. And so whatever frequency she's in she's going to create at that frequency and the words and the sound current will be at the level of that frequency. When, when the Sistine Chapel was painted, where was he creating from? Like what was he creating from a level of wound? Was he creating from the level of the beloved? And this goes back to, to the, the actual conception of the child. Barbara Han Clough talks about in the future, we will only be able to conceive from a state of ecstatic orgasm. So from that, that uh, what's the word? Heroscom. Yes, that's the only way that babies will be able to actually come onto the planet. Which will be my next book. There because we go. the Heroscomos is the ancient ways of ecstatically making love with the beloved. And, and, and so in the ancient times, these women I, would... Basically, the ener- their astral bodies would become like light. Mm-hmm. So they become more of a light being, and they're in this high, high-frequency vibration, which can be created by sound, which can be created by the sacred geometry of the Merkaba and by um, Kundalini Yoga. And these are yeah. the ancient priestesses. And so when they would make love, they used to only create um, women. <laughs> so they would make love basically with the gods in have you know from these higher realms and create themselves. So they would recreate their ecstaticness. They didn't need a male, and then they started to bring in a ma- males and and create with the male with the heroes gamos within the mm-hmm. temple, and then the whole thing was changed. They're so like, we'll recreate ourselves in the form of a male, mm-hmm. and so we're and we're all just birthing parts of ourselves but are those parts creative or are are they are these back to what we're talking about like if it's a if it's a creation of us how do you make it godlike and what you know like why is alicia key's songs touch us so deeply what is she touching into how does she touch into that beloved well she practices kundalini yoga yeah. <laughs> and she does. So yeah. Alicia Keys practices Kundalini yoga and all of these ancient priestesses did too. Yeah. That's all you have to know. Today. I think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it, it's, that's the creating yourself as a, as a channel for the divine to run through. So it's, it's less of our own attachment onto what wants to come through um, and just allowing it to be what it is. That's, that's the birthing process too. And going back to your original question about letting your kids be kids. It's like Guru Jaga, our teacher, talks about this too, even with the, the, a book. By the time that it even comes to publication, you're kind of like, ah, you know. Yeah. I, you're, you're detached from it because it's not, 
and even in business, anything, she says the, the second we put my on it, like my child, my husband, my business, we're, atta- we're attaching to it and meshing with it in a certain way when it's its, its own entity. It's the same for a company too. We have so many great ideas get lost because the founders can't work out their issues. And and so understanding this, and this is how you can use astrology too in your business, is looking at the company as its own separate entity, separate from the founders. Yes, you look at the founders charts, but you want to respect that the company is its own thing, separate from each of you. Um, even in the relationship uh, of marriage or partnership of some kind, the relationship has its own chart separate from the individual. So yes, we can look at the individual charts, what's called a synastry chart, where we compare one chart to the other, but then we look at the relationship unto itself. What does the relationship need to stay fed? What types of relationships does the relationship need? Who are the partners that that you guys together should hang out with? Hmm. So like knowing these things I feel like can help that creativity to come through and even like understanding, okay, understanding this, what we're talking about on a macro level of like, okay, this shift is happening. So you don't feel you're in control in the chaos or you're at, you don't feel out of control during the chaos. I mean, it's like organized chaos. Yeah. That's a really good t-shirt too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Organized, organized chaos. Well, there's, um, I'm going to forget his name now, but a quote, it's one of my favorite quotes. We grow in direct proportion to the amount of chaos we can sustain and dissipate. Whoa. One more time. We grow in direct proportion to the amount of chaos that we can sustain and dissipate. Because in, in the times of chaos, afterwards is the greatest peace. Yeah. In, I'm going to repeat that. During times of chaos, when the fire element runs through, back to the elements, that type of element... I mean, if you can ride it out and then get through the water of the, the just, you know, yeah, the, just, just cleansing, the cleansing, the clearing after the fire into the, and then we're moving into the air element, which is the creation. And then the earth element grounds that creation to create a new reality. The earth builds that plane. So as we move into this air element, I'm sure we'll move into the earth. Then yeah, water and then the earth. Oh yeah. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, even the, the growth, we're talking about friction chaos friction in the in the chart a lot of times people freak out when they see a lot of what we call squares a 90 degree angle between two planets it's, it's a quote-unquote difficult aspect versus a sextile or a trine which is a quote-unquote easier aspect but easiness can turn into laziness when we have friction we are forced to really hold that edge and and oftentimes, you know, even you look at the most successful kind of people on the planet, usually there's some form of hardship in their life that they were forced to overcome. Um, and so in, in times like these, how we respond to the call, because we're all being called right now, this Mars in Pisces is going to come up to conjoin Neptune in Pisces. This is the spiritual warrior. We're, that's the times that we're in. So... If people are listening and they're like, well, what am I going to do? There's a lot going on out there. What am I going to do? You know, what, what can they do? I think, you know, there's all kinds of resources right now for free. Obviously, I give 
astrology readings and that's something I offer, but I think that I believe everyone should have this language, that this cosmology language is the language of the future. We all need to understand this stuff. So even when I give readings, I try to really educate the client, but there's so many free resources right now. So start to educate yourself on these things and the different archetypes, because these archetypes are going to resonate with you on a subconscious level because we're coming from many, many lifetimes of having this imprinted. And so when you read something, and I believe this to be especially true with the asteroids that are now coming more into the collective consciousness, these female goddess um, asteroid archetypes like Vesta, like Juno, um, that previously had never really been talked about in the charts. You look at the chart, it's mostly the masculine gods, right? We have Venus and the moon. Those are like really the only female energies that we talk about in the chart. Now we're starting to talk about these more hidden kind of asteroid goddess archetypes. So you might just read something about it and and it resonates on a level that you don't even understand cognitively and it, it spontaneously there could heal something in your lineage. And that's going back to what we we're talking about before about the trusting of your gut and your intuition. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, like if your gut says, get the book... Get the book. Yeah. If your gut, I mean, people have texted me or written me and be like, I found your podcast randomly and I listened to it and I contacted you and, and then my life did this and that. And I'm like, yeah, because spirit's talking to you. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with, it, you know, it's like, that's your higher self. And, and another thing that this is randomly happening before we go back into these Vestas is you, in order to become surveying or your own being powerful, as a woman, you have to connect to your higher self. You have to merge with your higher self. And there was a moment in time that I did, and it was in 2017, I saw a hand come at me when my third eye opened, actually, in a ceremony with my teacher, Celestine Starr, who I've mentioned before on this podcast. But this hand came to me, and I said, who's reaching out to me? And it's almost like in those Instagram um, posts where the woman reaches behind her and she's at the pyramid and there's this guy that's like boyfriends of Instagram, you know, and then it's like this beautiful dress and she's like boyfriend of Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. That's your higher self. And so if you're in meditation and you see boyfriends of Instagram taking a photo of a beautiful woman reaching out with her hand, uh, that's, that is literally what I saw as the merging of my higher self. When I merged with my higher self, my life was I was no longer almost in control of my life. My destiny was then taken over by a higher power. And that's the high. And what I've understood later since then is that this higher self is managing many simultaneous lifetimes at one time. Mm -hmm. And you can choose in this lifetime, if you want to go super high with your destiny within this lifetime, you can basically merge those other beings, the zero point, which we call the zero point in the ascension process, those other lifetimes out. Like, Like, let's say there's 12 I don't know if there's 12, but that number just came. And we basically die off in these other lives. And you may dream of yourself in these other lifetimes. Like, I know I was, like, studying Sikh religion as a little boy in one. Mm. And I'm like, I don't want to be there anymore. I'm going to take more energy here. And I become more surveying here. I'm like, I have more to do within this timeline than other timelines. And this may be, like, way heavy talk for you guys, but... That's the reality, merging with your higher self and or finding a teacher that can help you do that. Yeah. Then when your higher self is ready and you merge, then you you go accelerate it. 
and then your destiny really comes. And what Guru Jagat has said about the difference between the destiny and fate. Mm-hmm. Destiny is like you're in the right place at the right time and things are moving. It's usually at a faster pace. It's accelerated. You're changing. And it, it's not, for me, it's not really logical. It's sort of heart-based. Yeah. Fate is like, shit, my bike got stolen. <laughs> Damn it, I lost my job. Oh my God, I'm drunk and I like totally slept with the wrong guy again. I just repeated the same shitty problem. Yeah. And it's like, I've been in both. And that fate, it doesn't feel good. And I felt yeah. a grinding. Well, and it's depleting, right? Like our teacher always says, you know, whether you're in a reality or non-reality, does it give you energy? Yeah. Reality gives you energy. Non-reality is, is very depleting. But to get yourself out of it, it takes the same amount of energy to keep yourself from your destiny as to get on the destiny path. So that thing that's like been itching in the bottom of your stomach for a while, I should really like do the thing. I know I want to do the thing, but I don't have time to do the thing. That amount of energy that you're expending, keeping away from that thing that you really know that you want to do and is calling you, same amount of energy as it would take to just do the thing. 100% agree. And it's really annoying. Yeah. That's super annoying. <laughs> oh my God. It's so hard. Cause you just like want to eat the Cheetos or yeah. whatever. <laughs> like my kids are like, give me the Cheetos. And I'm like, no. And yeah. It's kind of off subject. But, but then like, we, that's well, what it then feels like. It's like it's you just, do like your balance sheet, right? right? So if you want to eat the Cheetos, then like do something good. That's like replenishing. Right. Yeah. But I want to go back to the Vestas because it also ties into the first part of our conversation of, of the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And so let's take, and, and as you're going through this healing process, this alchemical healing process of the healing journey, you will touch into the various archetypes, especially as a feminine. Yeah. Because if you're going to heal individually, you're going to have to heal collectively. Yeah. And so when I went on my healing process, I had to take on wounds that were bigger than me to really understand them. Mm-hmm. And you may touch into those too. So like Mary Magdalene was the whore wound. Mm-hmm. I had to feel into that. Yeah. I had to heal that within me and have it experienced in a reality without me to understand that uh, experience and to embody her that level of an archetype, right? Yeah. And then these different Vestas, they all bring all of these goddess energies um, have a different gift for you. And they have a different back to the temples, they have a symbol, they have a song, they have a color, they have a gift, they have yeah. a frequency. And so as you're creating your own goddess and your own and so in an alchemy we call it um, a signature. Mm-hmm. They call it they call it a signature. And so when I actually read people, when I read people's names, I, I don't need their faces or anything. I hear their name. And their name is a signature. And so if you're creating a, a really high, powerful destiny signature, you have to touch into other people's signatures yeah. to understand what's there and take a little bit of what they've had as you're painting this painting of what you're here to create. Do you agree yeah, with me? Totally. But And it's, this is also why... You're so needed, anyone listening to this, because we're, we're all still learning. These are these goddess archetypes are just coming back into the consciousness. And so we're kind of in a lab room in a science experiment, figuring out what do these even mean to us now in the modern age. And so the more that we can pull at that thread and find the story, especially of for women, trying to come back into our own and figure out what does a modern woman even look like that is not just a mimic of the masculine 
we need you to tell your story that resonates with this archetype in a certain way that we can't, I, like, I can't tell you what that is. That's why when I read charts, a lot of times I give homework assignments to people to go, go look this thing up because I, I can't tell you what your destiny is. Like, I'm not going to, that's not my job. It's just to spark something in you that you're able to then take with you. And I might never even see you again. And the story, it's interesting you said like the story and, and it's, we can create new narratives Yes. and, and that's, what's so cool. And we don't, and so what, what's just super significant if you take out of anything is there's all kinds of stories running and, and there's that are these wounded stories. And so if you're on, you're not, you're going to, if you're running a wound story, so like the racism thing that's happening, um, the pandemic that's happening, the fear that's happening, if you're running in your mind only the negative around that and not pushing out the positive of the change that can happen, you're going to create it. Yeah. And you have to let go of the human story of pain and move into your divine story. What is the story that, uh, of your divinity? What is the story of the beloved within you? And what if you were to tell different two different stories and your homework from this podcast is if you you tell a human story and you tell your divine story because my teacher Celestine as I was healing all these years would say are you ready to let go of your human story yet? Are you ready to let go of your human story yet? And I would be like no. No, I'm not ready to let go of this. I love this I'm I'm hamstering yeah, and we would call it um, the the bag of SHIT in yeah. our um, one of the healers I've had that it's like, but I've been carrying this bag around for 25 years. You're telling me I could just put it down? Like, no, I'm not going to, like, but that was such a waste all those yeah. years that I was carrying the bag. I, I didn't have to carry the bag. It's like, my bag. It's my bag. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to put it down. Um, and it's, it, you know, where it, it sounds simpler than it actually sometimes, it, but sometimes it is, it is just that simple. Jose, a, amazing Mayan timekeeper. He always says it. It's just that simple. I know. <laughs> right. Just put down the bag. Right. But we grip and we think it's our story and we think it's our reality, but it's not. Because there are forces on the planet that want us to think that getting stuck in that narrative, and that doesn't mean that there's not actual suffering happening on the planet, but getting stuck in it is very depleting. So now you don't have enough energy to actually do anything about the thing and you're stuck. And so that's why creating the new story, that is energizing. The, the, the destiny timeline is energizing. Then you can do something about it um, for future generations too, not just here right now. Yeah. So as we close out, I hope you guys are super overwhelmed and excited. <laughs> You're so ecstatic right now. Like I remember Eckhart Tolle, I was reading a book one time when I didn't understand anything, not that I do anymore either, but I remember he's like, just be enthusiastic. Yeah. And I was like, he's like, the highest vibration is enthusiasm. Yes. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Matt Kahn talks about that too. He's like, even if you're having a bad day, just be like, I am just having the worst day. <laughs> but like so enthusiastic yeah. about it. <laughs> like just, just be enthusiastic about changing your story. Yeah. And so if we can find you and if somebody needs a reading to like pow, plow through their life and change their destiny, yes. how can they find you? 
Tell us. Yeah. Um, my website is Artemis3.com. So oh. Artemis, A-R-T-E-M-I-S-T-H-R-E-E.com. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, Selenic LLC, S-E-L-E-N-I-C LLC. And these will be in the notes and you can contact her through that. Um, and if you have any questions, reach out to me, Pritam Atma, at mysticalmotherhood.com. And both of my books, Fertile and Mystical Motherhood, are available on my website and also on Amazon. I hope you liked this. If you did, leave a little star and then put a little note in and say, this was so great. I'm super enthusiastic about it. And, and if you've read my books, Mystical Motherhood or Fertile, please leave a review. It really helps to get this information out to the whole planet. And so we can change the vibration. It's so important. Yeah. Much love. Thank you.